This is Michael Brenner, co-author of The Content Formula, Calculate the ROI of Content Marketing and Never Waste Money Again. And you're listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today we're joined by Michael Brenner, and we're going to talk about the new book he has co-authored with Liz Bedor called The Content Formula, Calculate the ROI of Content Marketing and Never Waste Money Again. Michael Brenner is the founder and CEO of Marketing Insider Group. Michael's also the head of strategy for the leading content marketing platform, NewsCred. Previously, he held marketing leadership positions at SAP as VP of Global Marketing and Content Strategy and head of digital marketing for SAP Americas. He was the president and co-founder of the leading social news site, Business to Community, and also created SAP's award-winning business innovation thought leadership blog site. He's also a contributor to leading publications such as Forbes, The Economist, and The Guardian. Michael's a frequent speaker at industry events covering topics like marketing strategy, social business, content marketing, digital marketing, social media, and personal branding. Michael, congratulations on the content formula and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Well, I've been a fan for years and most listeners, I think, are going to know you from your website, B2B Marketing Insider. And that's recently changed to Marketing Insider Group. Can you uh, explain right. what the change that happened there? Yeah, so basically, I, um, you know, I went from just sharing my thoughts and opinions uh, on marketing in general, you know, largely focused on the B2B market, um, and, and more recently focusing you know, exclusively almost on content marketing. And you know, basically started getting requests from people to help them out in building their own digital strategies, content marketing strategies. And so as of October 1st of this year, I'm officially part-time at NewsCred. So I'm, I'm maintaining my title as head of strategy, but also um, spending the other 50% or, or it feels like two full-time jobs now, but, uh, but basically pursuing my dream of, of building a content uh, marketing consultancy and helping brands achieve hopefully best practice success with content marketing. You know, I have to admit that when I read your bio just now, I, I started wondering, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, normally uh, most authors are busy people, but this guy, I, I don't know, maybe there's like two of you. Um, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I really wish there was. It's, it's you know what, it's, I, you know, I feel really fortunate and in, you know, in life in general, uh, I've got, you know, four beautiful kids and a very successful and, and supportive wife and, um you know, I, I feel like after probably, a, you know, a long part of my career struggling, like I wasn't sure if I was in the right place, I, I really feel like I've hit my stride. And, you know, I just can't imagine not being busy. And it's, I don't think about it, but it's, uh, you know, I, it's a real passion for me. I think, you know, and I say this all the time when I do speeches and stuff and I talk to CMOs, you know, I talk about how the world has really changed in such a short period of time. 
And I feel like we're still going through that learning curve of change that takes place when, you know, any technology disrupts anything. But, you know, nothing I don't think has disrupted marketing more than digital, social, mobile trends over the last 15 years. And and it's just, it's amazing to me how many businesses are still sort of stuck in the past and, and holding on to the things that just don't work anymore. So I feel like it's my life mission to help them. <laughs> um, and I won't sleep and I won't stop until, uh, until I've helped every single person that I can. Well, you're definitely a, a man on a mission and it is an exciting time. And my favorite expression in marketing is I have to wonder if at times you feel like Copernicus 500 years ago trying to explain to people that the earth actually rotates around the sun instead of the other way around. On to the book. I just wanted to read two excerpts from the foreword, which was written by Joe Polizzi, head of the Content Marketing Institute. And I should mention that you wrote the foreword to his book, Epic Content Marketing. That's right. So when you're the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you have to know these things. Just, uh, just, just putting that out there. I want everybody to know. Okay, here we go. According to Content Marketing Institute and Marketing Profs Research, approximately 9 in 10 companies employ some form of content marketing. Wow, that's great. The problem? That same research says that just 30% of organizations are successful at it. And even worse, more than half of those marketers have no idea what success looks like. And then it goes on to say marketing professionals are using the marketing and advertising skills of the past of traditional media, and they don't realize that content is not advertising. We are creating content because we can and not asking if we should. That's right. It's, it's amazing. And I saw a quote from you that said that, I think it was e-consultancy, mm-hmm. unused and wasted content costs B2B marketers alone like $50 billion a year. That's right. Unbelievable! Unbe- yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's just staggering. Can you tell us the story about how the book came to be? You talk about that in the beginning of the book, and and why you wrote it, and and the the people you had in mind when you all were writing it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's by far been the biggest question that we hear from you know, and and I hear whenever I talk to marketers when the topic of content marketing comes up. And and I always chuckle a little bit because I think, you know, I always think to myself a little bit, you know, and the question comes up and it's usually like crossed arms, legs folded, you know, sort of um, sitting back, uh, you know, in a, in a sort of aggressive posture. The question oh, yeah, comes up. yeah. I've been there. I've seen that movie a hundred times. Exactly. And I always chuckle because I think to myself, and I usually try to find a more diplomatic way of, of saying but you know i want to think i want to say when the question comes up well what's the what's the roi of your marketing overall what's what's the roi and and i i love this quote of you know what's the roi of the logo that you just slapped on a stadium for a couple million bucks uh-huh and and you know i don't actually <laughs> i don't think i've ever actually asked that question directly to a cmo or some you know sort of a naysayer asking that question but but i do think it's important and really interesting that the question comes up. And so I've tried to think, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a philosopher. So I, you know, I, I instead of getting defensive, I, I sat back and I thought, why do people ask this question? And, and I really do think it comes down to a defense mechanism. And, you know, in general, as a species, we're all pretty resistant to change. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we've got, we've got, you know, over a hundred years of momentum in the traditional, 
you know, sort of marketing approach and, you know, Barnum and Bailey circus and snake oil salesman or whatever. Yeah. That muscle memory goes deep. That's right. And so I, you know, I get it. The other thing, the other thing that I always try to remind audiences when I speak in public is that, you know, I'm a father, right? And I love to share pictures, you know, great pictures of my cute kids. And, you know, of course I'm biased, but Mm -hmm. um, on Facebook. And so, Businesses feel the same way that we do as parents, right? We want to just talk and and share all of the things that we love about the babies that we create. And that's the way CEOs feel. It's, it's a natural, instinctual kind of a thing. And I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's important is that, you know, unfortunately our business is not uh, – is not – you know, it's it's not as important as raising a child. Um, however, it can have a large impact, and so I think it's important for you know for CEOs especially to understand that there is a way to get your message across that actually attracts people as opposed to you know sort of turns them off. And and unfortunately, we live in an age you know a consumer directed, self educating you know sort of a world where. We are all in control of the content experiences. You know, we we skip TV ads on TV. You know, we we sort of uh, um, ignore banner ads as as much as possible. And and what's well, happening? Well, now we are. But I yeah. I think that <laughs> this hasn't caught up with the a lot of the marketers or the, or the businesses. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, so again, I try to go back, you know, it's, it's a natural instinct of the business to want to talk about itself. There's a long, like you said, a long muscle memory sort of history of marketing equals promotion. And so I think, you know, I think the what is the ROI of content marketing question comes up not as a real question and, and a real desire to understand the ROI of content marketing, but as a defense mechanism. And that's why I think it's still important. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'm still writing articles. What is content marketing? Why is content marketing? important. Why has the world changed? It's the one thing that I lead with in every presentation I give is the world has changed. Most content stinks. That's the e-consultancy stat that you referred to. It's mm-hmm. almost criminal how much of the content. Someone should go to marketing jail. So it, if there was one, I would be the warden. It would, it was just, it's just unbelievable to me that, that CMOs and, and marketing leaders can sit back and, and be responsible for organizations that create, you know, basically 50% of what they create is, is pure waste. It never gets a chance to perform. And, and the, third, the third step, you know, the third sort of key point is that there is a new way. There is a better way that we can, we can reach and engage uh, and convert new customers to our business in a way that we can value. And that's why we wrote this book. We wrote this book. You know, I think Joe even wrote in his, in his very gracious review on Amazon that if you're looking for an all-encompassing book on content marketing, this is not the book for you. I mean, he actually wrote that yeah, book. Yeah, read his. <laughs> content marketing. And, and I wanted to comment and reply on his, on his review and say that's because we, people should go read your book first. And, he, you know, he's just done that's such fair. a great job in this industry and, and, and has been such a great mentor and a friend for me. And, and, but, you know, this book was specifically to try to address – the 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 pushback and and the 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 real question that I think serious marketers have about trying to understand how do we value content marketing in a way that the business can understand. Yeah, you know, one other thing I would like to add for the listener is that if you're in there talking about all the great stuff that content marketing can do, and you're basically you've just read Joe's book and you're kind of presenting that, and the people, the crossed arm people, and they say that's nice. That's actually worse. If they're saying, what's the ROI? That's actually a good thing. You, that means you've engaged them and you're getting some pushback. And as you know, having done sales in your career, 
you, you really actually don't know that you're getting anywhere <laughs> until you start to get some pushback. It's a great thing. In fact, it, you know, there are two schools, right? There's, there is the camp of folks that are asking it as a defense mechanism. There are serious marketers that are trying to understand how do they get the budget, how do they build the business case, and how do they actually measure the return on, on investment that you might make in content marketing. And that's, those, that's the group of people that we wrote this book for. Well, and I think that this book or the, the things that you outline in the book are the things that are really going to get you to the next level with these folks. So you talk about the steps you need to build a strong business case for content marketing. Let's go through, uh, there's just four of them, but I just wanted to touch on those four. The first one you talk about is research. Mm-hmm. What, what, how does somebody get started with that? Yeah, it starts back with that, you know, that's that stat we were talking about. One is, uh, what's the ROI of your marketing overall? And so many marketing leaders can't actually answer that question. And so it's really important, I think, to start with the baseline of saying, hey, if you're going to measure or, or judge the value of content marketing, you need to, there, it, it's, a, it's a relevant sort of a figure, right? It's, it's, uh, there, you need to have the perspective of what's the ROI of your, of your marketing effort overall? And then how can we measure and look at the things that work versus the things that don't? And so, when it, when it comes to research, the very first thing that I, that I ask and, and have helped now companies to look at is really, you know, at the highest level, just take your total investment in marketing. And as, if you can't even specifically measure the, the revenue that you're driving, try to estimate in an in, you know, intelligent and you know, educated way the, the actual revenue that marketing is generating. And then at least on the back of a napkin, you can get to an average ROI. And, and so, you know, it's really difficult, you know, especially in complex organizations, it's really difficult um, for a lot of marketers to have that kind of visibility. Um, but it's so important because that's the, that's the first step. You have to understand what's the baseline. And then you start to look at, you know, what, how can you how can you start focusing on modern marketing techniques that really attract customers instead of you know having to pay for each each additional incremental lead or, or customer? Um, yeah. so, so step one in the research is really getting that piece of information. The other thing, as I mentioned, gets back to the research on on content waste and and there's just such a massive investment in content in every organization. I, I know Joe's research says ninety percent of folks are using content marketing. I sometimes wonder if they confuse if the respondents <laughs> confuse that question with are you creating content? Have you written a few sentences on your <laughs> website? Yeah, you, you know, know that and, that's a good point though because yeah. one of the most interesting things in the book I found was you talk about calculating the cost of unused content. That's right. How, talk talk a little bit about that. that. I found that very interesting. So one of the things that we found, and I saw this at SAP, and and it was it was the it was probably the most motivating piece of research I've ever done, and I spent ten years in market research, so that's saying a lot. Yeah, and it jumped off the <laughs> it jumped out of the book at me, so it's yeah. still working. And and you know it started with an audit that we did, and it was it was not of everything that we created as an organization. We took one product portfolio, and we looked at all the folks that we knew had been given money to create stuff, and then we looked at all the stuff they created. And tried to understand, well, where did it end up going? What was the destination or, or objective for that piece of content and how did it perform? And, and we, you know, we actually got stuck in this process of this, this sort of amazing stat that 56% of all the content that was budgeted for, created, and then, and then sort of uploaded somewhere, like a digital asset management system, for example. Um, but was not, ne- not, not published on a website? Never, or Never got the chance to perform. 
And, and so it was pure 100% wasted effort. And, and so, you know, we, we, you know, when you apply that statistic across an organization as large as SAP or any, any real company, you're going to find that that's a lot of dollars and it's a lot of people and a lot of agencies that are invested in creating stuff that never sees the light of day. And, you know, my most tweet, I always say my most tweetable tweet is behind every piece of bad content is an executive who asked for it. <laughs> and, you know, so the, the question is, Ouch. why do we create all this stuff? And, and the answer is because people ask for it. And we don't, as marketers, I, I, you know, I always push back and I say, don't point the finger at the, you know, the CEO or the CMO or the, the sales guy that asked for something. We are accountable for pushing back and asking before we go and create a piece of content, is this something that our customers actually want, will read, will share, will engage with, and that might drive value for our brand. Yeah, it almost makes me like if I were there, it would make me want to say something like, geez, you know what's keeping me up at night? Worrying that stuff I do is going to fall into that 56%. Yeah. Talk to me about how this is, <laughs> in other words, just say, help me with my fears here, uh, a content requester. Yeah. So one of the other steps you talk about is aligning program goals with company objectives. And mm -hmm. this one is a real uh, challenge. I, I, I find this a lot with organizations trying, I get, maybe I wonder if it's because they don't realize they can link it. Well, it's, you know, again, it's back to this sort of marketing has a marketing problem. <laughs> you know, it, it part of marketing supports the business, right? Marketing is not, you know, I, I always think of like Bannermen if you're a Game of Thrones uh, fan. You know, it's not about, you know, sort of hoisting a banner with your logo on it and, and calling it the end of the day. Uh, um, marketing exists to support and serve the business and it exists to 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 be an advocate for customers. And I think when you put it in those terms, you start to see that marketing drives tremendous value for organizations. And it's not just like, hey, our logo is pretty value. It's it's literally dollar value. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the skills that I think is really important in this in this digital age is is marketers need to really understand how to present marketing programs in the context of something that's important to the company. Mm -hmm. And and you know, in the book I, I use a lot of I kind of lean on a lot of the experiences I had at SAP, you know, and, and what we were trying to do at SAP and, and it was, we were lucky enough to have, and they still have this visionary CEO, Bill McDermott, who, who saw light bulbs go off in over the heads of, of something like 20,000 people in Orlando when he presented not on the products and the new solutions and technologies that SAP was developing, but when he was talking about how customers were using technology to drive innovation, it was a thought leadership and a customer value-focused message. And, and so he quickly turned to the CMO and he said, this is what marketing needs to do. It needs to tell these stories of technology driving innovation. And ultimately, that business goal is what drove our content marketing efforts. And we were just so fortunate that he, he essentially laid out our content marketing mission statement before I even got started. Yes, but you <laughs> had that CEO buy-in, but you still had pushback from the organization. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. It, I had the CEO and CMO's mandate and, and the SVP that I reported into. She was the head of brand and advertising. And, um, and you know, it was like a good 90% of the rest of the organization in marketing was resistant. And, you know, what happens, I mean, we all know this. We sort of, we're sitting in college and we graduate and we're like, where are we going to get a job? And we finally land somewhere that we're proud to work work at, mm -hmm. you know, a company that we're proud to work for. And, and you know, we start to 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 you know, fear 
the loss of that job. Right, right. <laughs> and so we, what, I think what ends up happening is we do things because our boss asks us to and not because they're the right thing because that's the safe thing to do. And, and you know, I think that's true in every organization. It's not a, you know, it's not a criticism of any one organization. Yeah. We all, we've all done it. I've done it for sure. Mm-hmm. And so what we found was there was this pushback from our, from our marketing teams who, who essentially, and I, I think I used this quote in the book, I, I heard it probably three times a day. How is this going to help us sell more software? And, you know, and, and the, what they meant was if we're not talking about the stuff we sell, how are we going to sell? Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, and you have to use, you know, whatever analogy works like, hey, I don't walk into a bar and walk up to a pretty girl and say, hey, do you want to marry me? You know, whatever analogy, I mean, that's an overused one, but whatever. Well, but I can tell works. you it, it didn't work. I tried it for years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, I wrote a post about this the other day. You know, the way that we attract people to us is we we have to pretend and actually fake caring about them. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> or at least start start that way. Yeah. Well, and the point is, it, you know, before you get to know somebody, you don't really know enough to care. But but I think when you lean in with an with that empathy, when you lean in with that desire to connect. That's how you attract people to you. And that's how you then get to, you know, you begin to sort of peel back the layers of the onion. You start to know who people really are and what they care about, what concerns they have, and how you can help them Mm -hmm. and how you can form a relationship. And so that's what good marketing is. And so, you know, I had to spend like six months going through that education process with the the folks that had the, you know, their sort of their finger on the rope. You know, they were able to pull the the lever and, and stop the process. And I had to, you know, sort of take them a step back and say, listen, this is important to the company. It's a CEO objective to provide thought leadership and focus on customer value. And that needs to be reflected in the marketing that we do. And so that's why we went and did the audit. I mean, we did the audit because I needed information. I needed, the, I needed ammunition to show the marketing organization that, that you know, we do some great stuff. And, and we're, you know, SAP still is a best practice uh, marketing machine in many ways, but there's so much opportunity to improve. And, and so I, I needed to kind of, you know, I, I was a very, I wasn't the most popular person in marketing for a long time because I was <laughs> I was shining a light on some of these things that uh, every organization has all the inefficiencies and and you know lack of of, of actual uh, productive kinds of marketing programs and and so you know it was it was um, it was eye-opening for sure to present some of those wow some of those and, and you made it through I mean it seems to me like it, knowing that you had the CEO's blessing on this might have helped but I, I have a feeling there are listeners out there who maybe still haven't quite gotten to the CEO and they're thinking, I, I'm just, I, I got to go somewhere else or I'm, I'm just not going to make it. Were there days where you thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to move this mountain? You know what there, I'll tell you, there were a couple of, of moments and, and um, that really sort of pushed the, you know, sort of the ball across the finish line. One was, I, I remember there were about 200 people in our cloud organization, um, mostly on the sales side and some of them on the product side. And, and those are the folks you got to get. And, and so the, the, the light bulb moment was, you know, I sort of pulled up, Salesforce was a big competitor and has been, you know, long dominant in this, you know, sort of cloud computing, no software kind of, kind of space. And, and I, I, I said to the, you know, I was getting pushback and, and I said to the head of sales for our new cloud division, Imagine that you're one of our customers and prospects, and and what what do you think that they do when they're trying to understand how to utilize the cloud in their organization? And I 
And, you know, and the answer was pretty clear. I'm like, they go to Google. So I, I heard them all typing in their browser. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, so type cloud computing in, into your browser and tell me what comes up. And of course, it was Salesforce and IBM and Oracle <laughs> and, and not SAP. And I was like, now imagine that SAP is the number one answer. What is cloud computing? Why is cloud computing important? How can cloud computing solutions drive value for a business? Imagine we have the number one answer on every one of those queries. That's what we're talking about. And, and it was like, it, it was almost like I felt all, I, you know, 200 of these people on the call line up behind me. And, yes, and you know, that's it's great. just something that uh, really, I think, visually helps. Uh, especially salespeople and, and product people to understand that that you've got to begin to be the answer to the questions that your customers are asking and then ultimately let them lead them down the path to that your product is a solution at some point and and so but when you lead with product you you, you tune people out right away yep yep and I think you know you could probably say now do you notice that uh, Salesforce isn't talking about Salesforce they're answering the question right. which was the first step and what you've described I've experienced it when when leading content marketing workshops. And I must say it is one of the most satisfying things I experience these days is when suddenly you have helped people get that light bulb to appear above their head. Yeah. That's, that's, that for me is when I feel like I'm really, that's when I get the most excited other than when I'm interviewing authors like you. (laughs) One other thing I wanted to ask you about that I thought was really helpful was you talk about borrowing budget. Yeah. Well, let me go back. The other two were set appropriate goals. Yeah. And ask for a realistic budget. Mm-hmm. Now, related to budget, you you recommend borrowing budget from underperforming digital assets. Very yeah. interesting. Can you explain how to do that? It's probably the easiest lever, and I, I we call these. There's sort of there's basically ten formulas uh-huh. uh, in this book that that just about anybody can use. I call them levers because every company is probably going to have three or four that they can really lean on and pull. The one I think that is probably one of the strongest is this is this underperforming asset or underperforming um, digital sort of campaign or program opportunity, and so one of the and and the story that I tell in the book I, I don't know if you saw the case study but mm-hmm. basically I I had partnered up with our head of advertising and and you know in many cases you might think advertising is the is sort of the you know the the, uh, the anathema of content marketing but I was really lucky to have the support from the advertising team. And, and so, you know, I was talking, I had no budget, right? And I'm talking to the head of advertising about the program that she's running and, you know, the, the relatively large media dollars that she had, which I did not want to borrow, right? She would have given them to me if I'd asked. And I just, I didn't want to hit her media budget because that was given to her by the, you know, by this, by the leadership team to promote the brand and the, th- the good things that we were doing. Um, so, so then we, we got started talking and I said, well, what about your landing pages? You know, who's building those? How do they perform? Mm-hmm. And what did they cost? And, you know, the interesting data that came back was, you know, 99% bounce rate on those landing pages. Um, that, were, that's not good for the, just in case the listener. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. it's, not, it's not good, and it, but it's common, and it's totally yes, yeah for, for an advertising landing page and, and just about any landing page um, that's, that's somewhat campaign-driven. So 99% bounce rate, zero organic traffic to those pages, no social shares whatsoever. I mean, literally zero uh-huh. organic traffic and social shares. And the budget to create those pages was was you know six figures you know two hundred thousand plus, and you know the the interesting thing is that a lot of companies, especially the large ones, go through the same process. They they're told to 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 come up with a campaign. They 
go and create campaign landing pages. And the next year they throw it all away and they start over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing to keep from crying. All right. Well, it's, you know, and it's, again, it's like these things happen because they've happened that way and they make sense and they made sense at some point. And, but they just don't fit today's model, today's world. Mm -hmm. So my proposal to her was pretty simple. Give me half your money. Give me half the budget that you use on campaign landing pages. I'll build a content marketing experience that's going to be customer driven. Uh, and you can you can use that that digital property as the landing destination for advertising. Now, what I can promise you is not just saving you half the money that you would normally spend, but I'm also going to give you organic traffic to the advertising pages. I'm going to give you social share opportunities that's going to happen and an 80%, you know, something like an 80% bounce rate instead of 99. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a discussion. I mean, it was a done deal before I even started. Wow, that's great. And the cool thing about content marketing ROI, the moment she transferred that money to me, right? So she gave me, and again, I'm, I'm going to use some round numbers just to kind of make it up a little bit. Assuming she spent 200 grand to create those pages and had a budget for 200,000, she gave me half that money. And the moment she did, we had a, we had a, a return on investment. We were able to give back a hundred grand to the, to the company before we even got started doing content marketing. So th- these opportunities exist all over organizations. If you think about search landing pages, campaign landing pages, look at all the all the digital real estate that exists in, inside corporate websites, and you'll begin to quickly see that there's a lot of money spent on on digital assets that don't perform. And so, you know, the easiest lever I think to pull is to look, find those those opportunities to save the company some money, take a portion of it, and go build an amazing customer experience. Yeah, that that's great. Michael, let's transition though. I, I have one beef with your book. Sure. Okay, we got to have some controversy here. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Um, at the beginning, now for, let me let me back up and say I was an English major in college, and I think you were too, right? I was, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you and I still had to take a year of calculus. Okay, so <laughs> I, I did have some math, but at the beginning of the book, you say you know there was a warning, yeah. there will be math, yeah. and I I think that that was too much of a warning. I, this, you, you've got a bunch of formulas. You've got some math in here, but it is not, we're not talking calculus. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, addition, subtraction, division, and maybe multiplication. I think that the, maybe the tricky part, because I think people have an unnatural phobia of math, is maybe they don't, just don't quite know where to get those numbers from yeah. to start with. So, um, don't change the book, obviously. But I just, it was like, wait a minute, this is, this, is, this is not hard math. And frankly, if you're in marketing and you can't do those, let's, uh, those four essential parts of arithmetic, you're going to have a problem anyway. I've heard other people say marketing has gone from madmen to mathmen. Yeah. But we're not, we're not talking calculus. But in the book, it's, I, I, we don't have time to go through all the math and it doesn't really suit itself well to a podcast, but you go into great detail. And I just wanted to list a couple of these for the listener. And you talk about the value and we're talking dollar sign value, how to go into your organization and calculate. And we're not talking quadratic equations here, how to uh, find things like the, the value of unbranded, organic search traffic or the value of repeat visitors, the value of social likes, the value of your subscriptions. You mentioned bounce rate. You have the value of a bounce rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the sort of thing where if you are a marketer and you're, go- you're going in and you're talking about you're the value of the cost per lead. First off, 
any marketing person needs to know these things now. Mm -hmm. But also, it seems like if you are a marketer who's going in there and is conversant in these things and has this data, uh, you're going to have a long, fruitful career in marketing. You're probably going to get promoted because that is the kind of thing the boss man is more interested in hearing about. In fact, don't even, don't even talk about marketing so much. Talk about these numbers. I mean, that's my sense. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, part of that was tongue in cheek. It, it, it's funny. I mean, as an English major, you know, and, and I did, you know, and I do have a dream of someday writing the great American novel, but, you know, after we, re- we wrote the sort of early drafts of this man- manuscript, we looked back and we said, you know, this is not the great American novel we ever envisioned ourselves putting out there. And, and it's, it, you know, and it's not even really a call to arms for, for businesses, you know, and, and cause you know, Joe wrote that book with Epic Content Marketing and mm-hmm. Anne Hanley wrote wrote content rules. And, you know, I think enough folks, you know, Jay Bear with utility, enough folks have, have written the call to arms. Mm-hmm. This, this was a practical guide to answering this big question that we kept hearing of how do we calculate the value of content marketing? And so, yeah, it was a little tongue in cheek and, <laughs> and, part, and partly a little self-deprecating to say, hey, you know, this is not the great, I think I, we wrote in there, like, this isn't a, a, a tale of love lost and betrayal. Yeah. And, and it's not a bunch of unicorns and rainbows. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard work. And, you know, but like you said, it's really not that difficult. We were trying to provide, you know, really practical steps to going from, I don't know how to calculate the value of content marketing. I don't know how to get the budget. I don't know how to build the business case and provide 10 very simple steps and calculations that any business can use to justify their investment. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the 10 steps at the very end, there's an action plan uh, in 10 steps with 10 calculations uh, to get you started to identify your own content formula. And my sense is, based on my experience, the formulas are there. You've just got to go get that information if you don't have access to it. That's right. And that's going to, you're going to, you're going to, I think, think great things will happen. And I, I would hope that people will be, uh, you know, inspired to say, look, you, I could I can do this. This isn't so. It doesn't have to be so scary. And it just reminds me of folks who say, "Well, I'm not really technologically oriented." It's like, well, I I just think maybe they 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 have the aptitude. They just haven't been exposed to uh, what they need to do. Yeah. So, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I'd love for anyone to get out of this book is that it's not hard and it's not expensive that the the value and the opportunity are too great to pass up and that's why I you know I've sort of like positioned totally repositioned my whole career on this content marketing trend that I think is going to continue until we no longer call it content marketing because that's all marketing will be mm-hmm. at some point and and so you know the 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 one key message I want to get across in this book is that it's not hard and it's not expensive every business should be doing it Marcus Sheridan loves to say that every business has an opportunity to be the best teacher on something to their market, to their customers. And, and you know, I think that that sort of, you know, sort of uh, vision is, is absolutely apropos for the book. And so it's not hard. It's not expensive. Everyone can do it. We provide the tips and the calculations and the formulas here. But, you know, every business has a formula that they can identify for how to build content marketing ROI. Yeah. Your, your comment about content marketing, they, they won't call it content marketing in the future, reminds me of the Seth Godin quote about yeah. content marketing is really the only marketing that's left. That's right. <laughs> Are there any recent marketing or business books that you would recommend? 
You know, there's one. I'm going to give you three. I'm going to break your rule. I'm going to give you three, but there's one that I read twice. Well, um, my 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 podcast, my rules. I'm free to break them. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so I read Content Inc. recently. Yeah. By Joe Polizzi. Uh-huh. What I love about Content Inc. is it really tells you know in the same way that we provide the calculations and formula for content marketing ROI, Joe provides in Content Inc essentially the roadmap for any business to build a content brand that can drive value. And, and so I loved, loved what he did with that book. He took, he took Epic Content Marketing one layer deeper and, and essentially highlighted companies that have built, uh, built their entire brand based on, a, on a building a content brand or being a content-driven business. Yeah, and he's, he's been on the show and we talked about that book. And I remember, because I'd read Epic Content Marketing, and then yeah. the other one came out and I thought, hmm. And I was struck by how different it was from F- I mean, it was just completely different, and it's yeah. you know backed up with real life uh, data and, and examples. It, fantastic book. Yeah, it's, it's fact, gonna, I think it's going to be one of the biggest ones in the in the in the next year or so. I, I agree. And you know, when I told Joe that I was going to go off and start my own agency and and try to you know build a business around content marketing, you know, and I asked him what's what's your what's your advice, you know, best piece of advice. And he said, "Go read Content Inc." <laughs> <laughs> and so so I did. The, the second book I want to mention, and it's it's like I said, I, I read one book twice, and it's this one. Um, uh, so Andrew Davis wrote Town Inc. Which maybe won't you know maybe not on the radar for all of your your listeners because it's not really a marketing book. Well, he's going to be on the on the show. Oh, perfect! It's com- his his interview is coming up. See, I'm I'm giving you a softball, and now oh, you just man. Park. It's, um, for the listeners' benefit, we did not discuss this before. <laughs> no, so, we didn't. And, yeah, and, great book, and I already bought a copy and gave it to uh, a client. Yeah, it's I, I I've done the same actually. I was doing a workshop with somebody who leads economic development for for a small town in Texas, believe it or not. And I said, you know what, you need to go buy Town Inc. And I, and I literally went on Amazon and bought it for her on the spot. And and the thing is, is it, it doesn't sound like a marketing book, but it is. It's a marketing book. Uh, you know, Andrew's a, approach is is you know very altruistic, and he's trying to help small town America reinvigorate itself. But it really is a marketing book, and and I think the principles he provides can can you know really really sort of resonate for just about anybody in any business challenge that you're facing. I, I read it twice because he's so actionable. I love the way Andrew writes. Every chapter ends with a like a, you know, I sort of like, you know, got me all riled up and I was ready to just, you know, sort of take on some of the principles that he was presenting because he just does such a great job of of making it so actionable and, and defending, you know, all of the things that I think he's putting forth in that book. So that that would be the other one that I'd love. And, and I think that book is going to sell really well. And the reason reason why I stumbled upon this is that I gave the book to my economic, an economic development client of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, now he's going to read it and go, yes! He's then going to go buy like 25 more copies because he's going to give it to his advisory board and a copy to every city councilman. <laughs> and then they're going to start buying it for like everybody who's a member of the chamber. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. And his, he's just so, such an innovative marketing thinker. His other book, Brandscaping, was just so creative. Yeah, I I think that Andrew Davis is probably one of the brightest minds in in marketing today, and and uh, you know I, I, I he asked if we could have a meeting, and I told him I'd walk to Boston to meet with Andrew. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jay Bear, who you mentioned earlier in the yeah. beginning of the book, he said if if Malcolm Gladwell had a better head for business, he would be Andrew Davis. That's right, I agree. Wow, what's the third book? 
Um, so Anne Hanley's Everybody Writes, and it's a totally different. It's funny. My, I, Anne sent me a signed copy of the book because she's such a sweetheart, and yeah. and and I'm I'm actually a facilitator for her content rules workshop, and and absolutely love you know Anne and, and everything that she's done for our industry, and and so she sent me Everybody Writes, and what's really funny is I have a nine year old daughter because I mentioned on the back, you know, I have a quote on the back jacket, and so my daughter, you know, she's like, I'm going to read this book. She read it in two nights. Wow. And after, after reading it, said, you know what, I'm going to write a book. And, and I was just like, you know what, if Anne can write a book that resonates with my nine-year-old who you know, doesn't spend three hours doing anything <laughs> in a focused way, you know, it, this is, and I read it, you know, it, it's just, I think she takes, she sort of peels back the layers that, you know, of, of you know, sort of terms and buzzwords, and she just gets right down to the core of how do you, folk, how do you break through the noise? And she uses this term of being bigger, braver, and bolder. And, and I absolutely love her message of how do, you, how do you really gain attention in this crazy world that we live in of, of, you know, of, of attention deficit and, and, and attention starvation and really lays it out for any individual, business, you know, consultant, whatever you may be. I think she does a great job of laying it out in that book. Fantastic book. It is, it is inspiring. I, I, I'm amazed to hear about the effect it had on your daughter. It was also, I mean, she is... This is an overused term, but she's really smart, mm-hmm. and she's just as nice as she is smart. But but her book, it seemed like one of the most difficult books to write—a book about writing. Yeah. But after reading it, as I write, as all marketers have to, it's it was like Anne was then forever sitting next to me, saying, "Okay, remember what I told you?" Or, "Yes, you can do this." <laughs> it's yeah. just—it was just sort of like she somehow got into my subconscious. The other thing about her book that maybe it only affected some of us, I was laughing out loud when I was reading it. She's very, very funny. And it got to the point where I was reading it and my wife, you know, sitting there in the living room, my wife was like, what are you reading? (laughs) We don't normally laugh out loud while we're reading. So those are, those are uh, great. Those are great. Are there any books you look forward to getting into? Yeah. So, and I know you and I have have talked about the challenger sales model uh, mm-hmm. from corporate executive board, and and you know loving what they're doing, and and they've got challenger customer coming out. I think this Friday, uh, and I just can't wait to get my hands on it. Uh, the challenger sales, you know, I think what I loved about that book was it really sort of breaks through the it the, it, it kind of identifies why great salespeople are counterintuitive. They're, they're not, you know, there's this sort of convention of thinking that great salespeople are either pushy or they're like, you know, touchy-feely focused on relationships. And, and what that book really showed was that, no, it's the ones that are challenging their customers to think differently and to think about how they can outmaneuver and outcompete uh, in a in a tough marketplace, and and I you know I just knowing what they did for me in that book, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with Challenger customer. Yeah, you're going to love it, and they'll when we when this episode publishes, they will have been their episode will have been out. And at, as I mentioned to you, that book kind of blew my mind. I mean, like more than the fifty I read before, and it was it had me really rethinking everything. And the thing about it was, it was it reminded me a little bit of Good to Great, where. You know, I'm thinking, well, how do they know? How do they know? <laughs> but they mm-hmm. back it all up with data. Yeah. And so it's just, oh, boy. It's, and I, I had it on the Kindle. I even bought a hard copy from my desk. So wow. it's, it's fantastic. So how can listeners best find out more about you and your book? 
Yeah, so I mean, a uh, couple of ways. I mean, the easiest way to, I think, get in touch with me in general is just on Twitter, at Brenner Michael. Um, I try to respond to anyone that ever reaches out to me there. Um, That's true. My, uh, my website, as you know, is marketinginsidergroup.com. Um, so we'd love anybody to come and, and subscribe to the content we try to put out there. Um, helpful, useful tips for, for marketers struggling in today's world. Um, certainly catch me on LinkedIn. You can find the book, The Content Formula, on Amazon or go to www.thecontentformula.com. Yeah, and I, the, the publications I mentioned at the intro, you're, you actually... I've, I've seen you on some other places, too. So you're everywhere, Michael Brenner. <laughs> uh, one final quote from the book. We wrote this book because the topic is important. Our goal is to help you develop your own content formula and in the process become a marketing rock star for your business, your customers, and your career. The name of the book is The Content Formula. Calculate the ROI of content marketing and never waste money again. The authors are Michael Brenner and Les Bedore. Michael, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. This has been fun. And that closes the book on the 53rd episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of your learning. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And while there, be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And please join us next time as we talk to Brian Solis about his spectacular new book, X, The Experience When Business Meets Design, How to Design a Meaningful Customer Experience in Every Moment of Truth. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.